Blog Talk Radio. right here with your girl, Nakia. How you guys been? I feel like, you know what, I want to share something very quickly with you. Uh, I'm not going to talk too too long tonight because I definitely want you guys to be introduced to my, my guests for this evening. But let me tell you, I know a lot of you have been, you know, um, unemployed. You've been, um, your hours have been cut. Um, during this time, you have discovered so many gifts and so many crafts that you never knew that you had. A lot of you have started businesses, you know, you got your own side hustle going on right now, or whatever it may be. But I have worked this entire pandemic, and I know we, we, we talk about this a lot on social media. Um, I never let it die down. Like, I, I am in so need of a vacation right now, it makes no sense. And something that I always like to reiterate around the show is that, you know, when you have something that you're passionate about and, you know, you are doing it to its fullest, you know, I feel like people are, are truly walking in their purpose when they, they have found something that they love and they share it with everyone. And that's how I feel about Indie Fire. My job has not allowed me to fulfill my passion the way that I'm used to fulfilling my passion. And so that is one thing that is just like, it's eating me up. I mean, it really is eating me up. We had no shows last week at all. And guys, you know, we are here, what, five times a week? Yes, three, three shows. And the two shows Monday, yeah, so three shows on Monday, then Tuesday and Thursday. And we had only one show last Monday, and that was Castle's show. And so, you know, I have to figure out what it is that I need to do. I have to work in nine hours a day and, and you know, doing what I do, find a way to get back into the groove of doing what I do that I love so much that I, you know, am so passionate about. Um, because it's it's very I'm telling you it is so depressing um, when you're trying to um, what's the word I'm looking for when you're trying to motivate and encourage and empower other people on a daily basis uh, then you you can't find that same motivation yourself to do the things that you love to do so you know in talking with some people over the past couple of days I, I figured it out we have to we have to either cut back on the job <laughs> or we have got to, you know, my time management has got to be so much better. You know, I'm running three businesses right now and working and doing the show. All right? I got a lot going on. Um, but this right here, you guys know this is my baby, and I just feel like I'm, I'm not doing um, what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not walking in my purpose. 
I'm not because I'm not pursuing my passion because I'm not here with you guys. So we're gonna work on that. I promise. I promise. The month of September, you know, almost is August is almost over. But for the month of September, we are definitely going to get back on the ball. We're gonna be back here three nights a week, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. We have the double show on Monday night and then the show on Monday morning. So all of that, we're doing all of that for the month of September. I am speaking it into existence. All right? So I, don't, I know there's a lot that we could talk about, but I don't really have a lot to talk about because I haven't had time to catch up on all the news and, you know, what's been going on um, in the world, and I, I, don't, I don't really know. I don't know. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump right into this interview and, and speak of our guests this evening. I'm super excited to have him here this evening. I'm super excited to have any guests here. But I am very excited to have um, our guest with us this evening. I think he should have listed comedian um, in his, you know, um, descriptions of, you know, what he does. And, but he didn't. You know, listen to the bio. And if you get a chance to read the book that we're going to discuss this evening, you will see why I'm saying he should have listed comedian. All right? I'm talking about author and songwriter Robert Boog. Um, he is an amateur songwriter who lives in Los Angeles. He cannot play a musical instrument, nor does he sing very well. Not to brag, but my wife or his wife claims that he sings. Um, he sounds like a drunk Bob Dylan, insisting he is still okay to drive. Y'all see where the comedy's coming in now? All right. Despite his apparent lack of singing ability and technical musical knowledge, Boop's songs have been downloaded over 30,000 times. Most recently, he was a top 10 finalist for Jingles Radio 100 or Top 100 Holiday Song Contest with the tune Not Yet Christmas. His songs can be found on Spotify, iTunes, and at www.reverbnation.com forward slash B-O-O-G-4. His song Sticky has been played in Atlanta nightclubs due to the help of lead singer Reppin 516, who hails from Detroit, and Robert's latest release, Kobe, features Kid Dreams from Illinois. Hang Shakespeare is a nonfiction book that has been described as fun to read and a historical whodunit, where Robert argues that William Shakespeare of Stratford upon Avon is not the true author of the poems and plays of Shakespeare. It boasts serious facts and powerful proof, as well as common sense logic and a sense of humor about things. Yeah, I bet some of you just went, what? William Shakespeare didn't do what? I know you did. We're going to discuss it right now. Any fire listening audience, I present to you this evening my very, very special guest, author and songwriter Robert Boog. Hey, thanks for the <laughs> Hey, thanks for the intro. Hey, you are so can you hear me? Okay. welcome to MLK. Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Yeah. Awesome, awesome. I want to just jump right in this. I, I'm so curious about your music, um, especially because, you know, you, you state that um, you can't play the musical instrument and, you know, what your wife said about you sounding like the drunk Bob Dylan, but your music seems to be doing so very well. So I definitely want to talk about that. We're going to play uh, two tracks this evening, um, Quarantine and Kobe, but I'm also curious about this book. Hang Shakespeare, all right? Um, why? Why are we hanging Shakespeare? Okay. The reason that we're hanging him is because it says in this poem, oh, let me, let me just uh, rewind for a second. Christmas Day of uh, 2019, 
my wife and I were watching uh, a documentary on Amazon Prime, and it's called uh, Nothing is Truer Than Truth. And actually, my wife is Hispanic, and um, so we celebrate Christmas by opening presents at midnight. And you mm-hmm. kind of – so the following day, Christmas Day, is kind of like a – you feel like you're hungover, but you just need sleep kind of day. And um, so she said, find a movie that a documentary that we can both take a nap to basically. So I found this documentary and I thought I was just going to fall asleep. I I had no clue about Shakespeare or anything. And I put it on and um, it's kind of like a light bulb went off in my head. And um, about a month later, my uh, son, we were having dinner for my son's birthday, and I started going on and on about this movie we'd seen. And I discovered that my wife was not all that, you know, on the same, <laughs> on the same, uh, you know, wavelength. She she hated the movie because uh, she thought that it was snobbish, <laughs> that it, it implied like someone of color could not write as well as like a white person. <laughs> I mean, she was she was fired up about it. And um, so then after she went to to sleep, I went back to, for some reason, I went online and I just looked at this, uh, it's called The First Folio. There's a poem there called uh, To the Reader. And in it, Ben Johnson, he just has this poem. And the, the whole movie was about this guy, Edward DeVere. And it takes you on this boat ride to Italy where this this guy who they say was Shakespeare um, took a boat, you know, took a vacation for a year and a half during the time of the pandemic or the, the plague back then. So, um, I'll, like I said, it, it's kind of like um, when around or looked at this poem, I suddenly saw his name there in that poem. So um, I underlined it. And um, the next day I went – I, you know, I thought maybe this is crazy. You know, I told my wife and she said that I cheated, that I used the W for a V, you know. Right, <laughs> I, I read that, not, yeah. Yeah, she did not, she does not give me any flack. So uh, I um, I looked at the poem again and uh, then I saw the word tang in it too. That So the, you know, it's kind of like it was letters capitalized kind of thing. And I, I, I'm kind of like, I like to play around with words. So that's where I get into songwriting and I do, I play Sudoku and things like that. So I, I like to play around with words a little bit. And when I saw that, you know, then I thought that it said hang Shakespeare in, the, in this poem. And so I got all um, passionate about, you know, maybe there's, you know, something to this. Why, why would he have this, you know, in this, because the, the guy that wrote the poem was supposed to be uh, Shakespeare's best friend. And he wrote this poem in 1623, and Shakespeare died in 1616. And um, the other guy, the DeVere guy, died in 1604. Kind of like, why would he do this? So it's kind of like that's where the whodunit started in my head. Like, why would, you know, what is all this? So I'm talking about, um, you know, January 27th, 2020. And uh, maybe starting uh, just to write, I, I, I emailed a couple of these uh, Shakespeare uh, experts on this, and I didn't get any email back. 
so then I thought, okay, well, um, there is this book that is called um, like Shakespeare Bites Back. It's like a 40-page free download, and it says basically, you know, it cannot – nobody doubts that Shakespeare wrote the, the plays and sonnets because nobody's ever doubted this before. And then I thought, that's not really a reason. I mean, that's kind of a cop-out. So then I thought, why can't, why can't we doubt it? I mean, wh- why couldn't mm-hmm. a black person or why couldn't anybody, you know, write? Why, you know, it just didn't make sense. So anyway, so that started me on my little quest. And, um, and so that's, that's what I did. I just uh, I wrote this thing out. It's not really to make money or anything, but it's just to satisfy my own, um, you know, my own curiosity, I guess. All right, so I didn't get very far in the book, um, not because I didn't want to read it, because I just didn't have time to read it. Um, but I know that it starts out, you pretty much just went through the entire introduction, minus the fact that your wife is like a, a microwave, and she can, when she, he, what did you say, when she gets the tin or? Um, oh, she's got a microwave-like temper. I mean, you push yes, the button yes. 10 and her blood is <laughs> boiling, you know. Yes, I thought. Yeah, I can relate. I can relate. Yeah, I'm. um, I'm currently doing uh, like an audio book on it, Audible, and I'm just about done. So that yeah, that's uh, what I coming out. Yeah, and so people tell me that. Well, they tell me when they read the book, it sounds like I'm talking, and so that's. So I thought, okay, well maybe. Maybe it'd make more sense if I just wrote this thing. It's just hard to uh, visualize some of these things that I'm pointing out, but um, you could always look that in in a you know book or something. Yeah, I I agree. From from what I did get a chance to read, um, the it wasn't like your typical book where you read and you obtain knowledge. Um, I mean, granted, I did obtain knowledge, but um, it was more conversational. You know, um, the fact that you have an author who, who tells you that the poetry sucks, it's sucky poetry. You know, it's like we're sitting, you're sitting here telling me, you know, that's how bad the writing is. And so um, it's very, very relatable, again, from, from where I was able to read, too. Um, but I know when Chapter 1 starts, it talks about why I question the authorship of Shakespeare. Um, and besides the breakdown, because when I saw the breakdown, when I saw like the cover, um, I thought, oh yeah, I get it, I I see it, yeah, that makes sense, uh huh, yeah. But when you actually do the breakdown um, of of the letters and how they're placed, the diagonal, uh, it goes up to Shakespeare, you know, hang, and it goes right up, like it's pointing right at Shakespeare. Um, but why? Why even question? And I know you just stated that, you know, I'm, I'm writing this for my own, um, and there may be people who um, are, are questioning that too. Um, I just remember reading Shakespeare, like, in, in, in high school and the beginning of college and just always thought, like, you know, some of this stuff is really goofy. Some of this I can't get into. Some of this makes a lot of sense. Some of this I need Shakespeare for dummies to be able to decipher what he's saying. But I never really questioned, like, if, what he was writing, he wrote it, you know? So why question yeah. the authorship well, of Shakespeare? I, I'm totally with you. I, I, that's how I was on, you know, prior to, uh, you know, December 25th, 2019, I was the same thing. I, I was like, um, you know, just going, you know, 
like just like you, I never thought to question it. And in this uh, documentary, they they just it was like um, going on this little boat ride. You see, um, you're in Venice, for example, and you know that there's a play called The Merchant of, of Venice. And then they show you right. So there's a grove of sycamore trees in the play Romeo and Juliet. Now I'm not. I didn't do this. The the lady that made the documentary pointed it out. So why would, and, you know, it's kind of like she says, uh, and, and she she deserves the credit. I mean, I, I'm what I'm doing is I'm adding my original spin on what she kind of said. So um, what she said is like in the, in the play, Romeo and Juliet, he talks about um, a grove of sycamores that is west of the city. And so there she is, there, you know, she's in this boat like pans the camera to the left and there's the grove of sycamore trees that are still alive, you know, today. So you can see it with your own eyes. And then in, um, I don't know, I think it's in another play called um, As You Like It. He talks about the seven stages of man and she goes to this one cathedral that's also like in Venice and there on the floor is this mosaic and it says the seven stages of man, you know, it's just, so the thing is, is that why did this guy in 1575 when he was like 25 years old, he was married yet. He doesn't bring his wife. He goes to Italy and stays there for a year and a half. And the question to me, when I was watching that documentary, she didn't explain that part. Like, why did he go there? I mean, why would you go to Italy, for example, today in the year 2020 with uh, COVID-19? He had to get a special <laughs> permit to, to leave England, right, to go to Italy then because they had the plague and they didn't want to bring the plague back to England. Right, right. So he had to get special permission. So he gets this and then he goes there. And I, I was wondering to myself, and that's the kind of person I am. I'm like, you got to tell me the obvious thing, you know, give me the, Give me the reason why he did this. I, it didn't make sense to me, and so I had to figure that out. And that kind of, and that's what. Um, uh, and okay, so in one of the chapters, um, I what I figured is that we don't we kind of take for granted like a lot a lot of stuff like scientifically, but in uh, 1543 there was a guy named Copernicus who believed that traveled in, in a circle around the sun and mm -hmm. it rotated, mm -hmm. you know, 24 hours. Well, this was a huge, huge thing back then. I mean, um, the church had banned that, um, that book. And so this guy, Edward de Vere was, um, you know, he was a, he was basically a genius. <laughs> he was super smart. Um, he decided that he needed to go to, to it Bologna, Italy, because that's where Copernicus taught. And I think that's the reason why he went there, to, because he couldn't talk to anybody about this, this new theory. Um, and, and actually, uh, Copernicus' Copernicus's idea was not accepted until the year 1822. So you're talking about 1575 going there. And... Um, then what I think he wanted to do was insert it into his plays. So um, put in some of these ideas that 
he was kind of like uh, this like genius guy that was um, against like um, religion and against um, holding people back. So he's kind of like a, um, you know, he's a Renaissance hero kind of, I mean, he's an incredibly smart guy. I mean, it's, it's weird, but okay. So that's what I did. I checked, I, I start, um, I, I started investigating him kind of like figuring out who this guy was. And um, the more I found out, or, you know, it, it just kind of fell into place that this guy makes more sense to be the, the real writer of these plays than the, this businessman from Stratford who everybody um, believes wrote the plays, uh, um, you know, William Shakespeare. So it's kind of like, um, I don't know, to me it makes it more interesting because like the real guy that I'm talking about, Edward Devere, he, um, you know, he, he stabbed a guy and he died when he was 16 years old. And he, um, they claimed that the, this chef committed suicide. So this guy, I mean, he murdered someone. So in the plays, you know, Macbeth, when Macbeth murders, I think, Duncan or, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Lady Macduff or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know how he, he talks about being racked with guilt? And, I mean, he, I think these kinds of feelings he knows about and he expresses them. And to me, that's interesting because then you get more involved. And then when you see these productions like of Othello, because he, okay, so um, he believed that his wife was uh, cheating on him while he was gone uh, for a year and a half because his wife uh, gave birth to a daughter. So the play Othello <laughs> has a lot of jealousy incident, you know, involved in it. Um, there is uh Let's see, his father died mysteriously and his mother remarried. So it's kind of like, the, you know, talking about Hamlet. Um, he cheated mm, on his wife. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when you have all of yeah. these incidents, then, and then they, and the, but the real, the, the, like the scholars of Shakespeare say, oh no, that's just a coincidence. It can't. But when you keep adding up all these coincidences, then you you realize I, I think um, this guy was the real author, and he's kind of like um, forgotten or something, you know. I know that you mentioned earlier that um, you reached out during your research. You reached out to several um, people, and you didn't get much of a response. Um, but in in or while doing your research. Um, anyone that you were able to reach out to or anyone who was aware of what you were, you know, trying to talk about, um, did you catch any slack from these people, you know, who thought, you know, wait a minute, why is he trying to um, debunk the fact that Shakespeare wrote these plays? Um, Was there anyone out there just, you know, throwing negative vibes at you or were they just curious to see what information you were able to find out and how this is all going to unfold in your book? Which way did it go for you? It it went kind of like um, it, it was kind of weird because I didn't realize that there's already like these two camps that are like firmly entrenched. Um, the Stratford camp is for William Shakespeare. I call him Stratford because um, uh, William Shakespeare, you know, the real or the guy that we think is the real author. Well, Stratford upon Avon is like a hundred miles away from London, 
And um, so during his lifetime, guess how many letters uh, Shakespeare wrote to his wife being 100 miles away? How many would you guess? Well, I would guess a huge number, um, but I'm going to say three. Yeah, the answer is zero. They have oh. zero letters. Yeah. And how many did she send to him? The same thing, zero. So there, there's like no evidence. And you would think he rebuilt this Globe Theater in Stratford. I mean, <clears throat> so there's no evidence that he went to grammar school. There's no evidence. I mean, I don't want to like pile it on him, but okay. So, but there's a lot of money in Stratford. It's kind of like saying Walt Disney didn't make Disney World or something, you know, that there's like a $6 million economy that these people make t-shirts, they sell, you know, souvenir items. There are uh, tours of Anne Hathaway's house or, well, this is the house where Shakespeare peed or, you know, just different um, things like that. <laughs> and so I think that's, that's a big thing, you know, that um, they, they want to keep the thing going. It's been going for over 400 years. So why would anyone doubt? And that's the first thing they say. Why would anyone doubt this? Well, if we doubt that breakfast is the best meal of, or the you know, most important meal of the day. So of course we, I mean, it's just human nature to doubt things, I think. But um, anyway, so that's uh, one ca- one encampment. And, they ca- yeah, they call me um, names and all kinds of stuff. That, um, but you, So you have to be like a water that, I mean, like a duck that gets water on its back. You know, you just, you know, what's new? Um, the other camp, the Oxford camp, they're kind of, they are kind of snobbish. <laughs> They, they believe in this, uh, the 17th Earl of Oxford, and I, I agree with them, but I do think that they are a little too snobbish. I mean, so I'm kind of like, um, they're not, um, <laughs> they're not really on, you know, I, I've been kicked out of their team basically because I, I think that they're too <laughs> snobbish. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm kind of like, you know, the middle person, and all I'm saying is that I'm not an expert. I'm just a guy who watched a movie who, you know, when I was a kid, I, I got, this is a, this is a true story. Okay. When I was a kid, like in first grade, I went, um, I went, I attended a Catholic school and um, so, the, you know, one day I raised my hand and the, the nun, like sister Elizabeth said, no, Robert, what is your question? And I said, why did God, invent men twice and she said um what did you say <laughs> i said yeah what you know in the bible it says that on the i don't know the fifth or sixth day he invented man and then you know everything was good and then chapter two or book two then he you know creates adam and eve you know why did he do it twice and then she said you're gonna have to see the mother oh. and you know <laughs> So I, I'm the kind of guy that points out the obvious. So that to me seemed like an obvious thing. Or um, another one, you know, the the uh, the Wizard of Oz. You know, um, when I was a kid, that was a big thing. Watching this movie, we didn't have a color TV, and my grandmother did. So we went to my grandmother's house and we watched it. And uh, 
you know, like half the way through, it turned into color. And then after the movie, I said, oh, man, that movie sucked. My brother said, what do you mean? That was the best movie I've ever seen in my life kind of thing. I'm going, yeah, but, you know, and here's the thing. My, you know, my sisters were scared of the Wicked Witch of the West, but not me. The, what scared me were the flying monkeys. You know, they had like these purple capes and I don't know. They yeah. just scared me. And then they I was scared me. Myself, <laughs> yeah. You know, why, if you were the Wicked Witch of the West, why would you leave a pot full of water with one of those scary monkeys <laughs> You know, they could just fly down and grab it and douse you, you know? So when I told that to my brother, he said, oh, man, you just ruined that movie for me. So um, I, it just seemed, you know, like an obvious kind of thing. So that's all I do. I, I, when, when I see, like, okay, so I saw this, this poem, and then I saw the guy's name in it. Then I saw Hank Shakespeare. And then I just, I just point out the obvious, really. So... Um, and what I try to do is get I, – I, I'm kind of like a cheerleader for other people to, hey, you got to look at this, you know, and tell me what you think. I mean, is this – doesn't this make sense that this guy should be, you know, given credit as the author at least or something? Because um, uh, another thing, when I was a kid, I, um, I, I was uh, born in Minnesota. And then we moved to California when I was uh, eight years old. And um, my dad was promised a job. And uh, when he got here, the job was no longer there. The guy, I guess the guy was injured and then he got better. So um, we have a big, you know, I come from a big family. I have, you know, eight brothers and sisters. So I'm the middle child. I have four above me and four younger. So we would move, you know, just, yeah, just imagine like renting to a family of you know nine kids and and so i would be the like the neighbor kid usually like my dad would have like uh bunk beds like you know like he he you know would rent a three-bedroom place and my sisters would be in one room and me and my brothers would be in another but sometimes the, the landlord would do a check and so i would be like the the neighbor kid who walked in and would, you know, <laughs> tell the, <laughs> tell the landlord, Oh no, there's only you know three people that live here or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've been making stories up since I was a little kid, really. But, um, and having moved around like that, um, I, I did, I was, um, I was accused of plagiarizing a couple of times. And it was just, um, I like to write, I like to read and stuff like that. So I was kind of like, a, you know, the kid that sat in the corner and read a book. And <clears throat> when we moved to a different school, or this happened to me twice, one, one time the teacher said, oh, yeah, you didn't write this. And it was during the class time. I mean, there's no other time to, like, where could I just, you know, grab this story out of? So um, I had to go to the principal's office. First they called my mother in, then the principal. Then they decided I needed to write a new version or write something different the next day at the principal's office. So I did that. And I think I was in fourth grade. And after that, the principal had me take a class in, in the sixth grade class. So I took, you know, I would have to, you know, walk to sixth grade English every day. 
and that was the kind of thing that I did. Well, then it got me to thinking when I was um, – and oh, also, I went to school at UCLA, and at UCLA, they had a, you know English 10A class, and this class is huge. It had – you know, there's like 600 people in it, and the instructor said, if you can write a sonnet like William Shakespeare, you will uh, get an A on your midterm. And I thought, oh, man, that sounds easy. I'm going to do that, you know, so – I tried to write, and I did write a sonnet for it, but, man, that was hard. It was extremely hard, and I remembered how hard that was uh, when I, you know, started reading this, you know, doing this stuff, research about Shakespeare and stuff. So bottom line is I got to know about plagiarism and what teachers do, what the the re, the way that they suspect that you're a plagiarist is that if something is different than what you've normally done in the past. So, mm-hmm. it and what they do is they'll have you go to a different like go to the principal's office and write another story there. Well, in Shakespeare's cl- uh, place or Sh- Shakespeare's case, sorry. Uh, if you think about it, after 1604, when De Vere dies then Shakespeare writes these epitaphs. He's writing, you know, on people's uh, tombstones, these poems. And they're kind of like 90s rap, kind of like to have kind of, you know, like, I, I actually like 90s rap, by the way, but um, it's, uh, you know, the beat is really hard <laughs> and stuff. So, anyway, so uh, that's just, you know, my my take on it is that he he got out of writing this, reverse and kind of like blank verse kind of thing into writing rap music or something. Why would, it just sounds like two different people. And that's to me, you know, when we're talking about, you know, writing songs or writing anything, um, then you kind of hear it. And that's what, to me, I'm hearing like a different person or I don't know. That's just me. Now in reading, and I think I know just a little bit about weird talking about in the intro I think it was um, reading the epitaphs and how they sounded like some 19 or some 1600 gibberish to me and then turning the page and actually hearing uh, or reading I'm sorry reading but you you mentioned that it sounded like you know gangster rap so I'm trying to read it in that you know <laughs> so that I, I can make it you know sound gangster and um, you can tell the difference, like in the writing. You can tell the, the the difference. Like two people, that's not the same style. That's not, you know, there there has to be a second person that wrote that. So I get it. I get right there where you're talking about. Um, for you, what was 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 my goodness? What was one of the most surprising discoveries for you in creating this book? I'm sure there was a lot of surprises. The uh, the thing uh, <clears throat> I don't. Here's the thing. When um, when I got to reading about De Vere, he's, uh, he's like this really bizarre dude. I mean, either he was like really gay before, you know, gay was cool kind of thing. I mean, he was um, flamboyant is, I guess, the best word to describe it. And okay. that's, I, and I think... I, and that's what I uh, 
talk about in this book is I think he was bipolar. And um, I don't think that they knew how to deal with them. So in my mind, he's the, the way that you, um, to me, the, um, the mental health issues of him, which a lot of times uh, the authors who don't like uh, DeVere will point to, they'll, they'll say that he, uh, like he abandoned his wife and he was mean to her and he did this. He had these wild mood swings. And yet when I guess uh, James Shapiro is uh, like a famous Shakespeare author, he writes that in 1599, William Shakespeare wrote four plays in one year. Now, at first I thought that was just crazy talk, but then I got to thinking about it and bipolar people have these incredible highs and incredible lows. And um, if he wrote you know, four plays in a year, that that's possible if he was bipolar. So it kind of matches with, when they're talking about Edward DeVere having um, like a mental illness, like, um, you know, bipolar disorder. And back then there was no real treatment for it or anything. Right. Or no medicine. So um, he goes from the highest of highs, like, can I compare thee to a summer's day in the sonnets and, then he has, like, he talks about depression in, like, I'm going to say at least 22 sonnets. He talks about depression, death he talks about, uh, time he talks about in a sonnet. So you really get the real author's personality in the sonnets. And when you compare that to Edward de Vere, that to me is like the smoking gun. That's the... You know, what I kind of figured out is that this person here and this person here seem to me to be the same, you know, person. Also, if you think about it, most people would leave their day jobs, like you were talking about in your intro, you know, I would leave my nine to five to just do art, right? Yeah. But you wouldn't. Now, here's what Shakespeare, or the real Shakespeare guy, he, (laughs) get this, okay, he was writing the greatest plays in the world, right? And then in 1609, he quits that to do three things. He sells malt and grain, and he writes these, you know, bad epitaphs, and he is a money lender. You know, he, he loans money. So he's, that's his true passion. It was like he – and that's the thing that um, I don't get. I mean, why would you – why would you stop – writing you know i mean to me in real estate i work in real estate so there's a saying in real estate that goes um you don't get into real estate real estate gets into you and the same thing is true if if, you know if doing uh broadcasting if that's your passion it doesn't matter that you work nine hours you know um you're gonna get up and you're gonna (laughs) you're gonna still do it for another 45 minutes or whatever just because right. it's something in your blood. You know what I mean? And it's, it's right. not something that you, you put away. It's like it's there. It's the fire. It's the thing that wakes you up and keeps you, you know, keeps you doing what you love. I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, um, it just doesn't make sense to me that this person that we've, you know, 
adulated for all these years. This this guy to me seems like he got a he got a, he ripped off this other guy and got away with it, and nobody's you know uh, paying attention or something. Wow, as it just it really makes you you know think, and you were describing yourself as a child, and it seems to that not a lot has changed. You know, as an adult, you still kind of think the same way. But, you know, on an adult level, I have a 14-year-old. He'll be 15 next week, and he's the same way. Um, we'll be discussing very important, you know, worldly news or whatever, and he will just say something so off the wall that you have to sit and actually think. First of all, how did you even come up with this? You know, um, you seem like you're so much knowledgeable than, you know, your years, but how did you even come up with this? And then you have to sit and, and rationalize what he just said and realize that, oh, my gosh, but that makes so much sense. And so I, I, I got a little picture of how he will be as an adult um, because it, it hasn't stopped. Like his mind is always um, um, bringing new things forth. He, you know, he's always expanding upon different ideas and and then making sure that everyone knows that, you know, this is how it should be and, and not this right here. And question, there's nothing wrong with questioning, you know, anything, especially if you if you don't believe or if you have doubts, there's nothing wrong with questioning. Um, but he questions everything, you know, and then he has, <laughs> he has his own ideology, his own theories as to why what you just said is wrong and what I'm telling you is right. And you actually, as an adult, you have to sit and think and go, oh, my goodness. Yeah, he, it, you know, yeah, like that, that is, like, if they took that perspective and they did it that way, you know, like, wow, like, how did you come up with that? And I have no idea what these, um, how his, his thought process flows. I just, I don't know. But to actually see someone who says, you know, they were that way and now the same way, I got a little, you know, glance as to how he's going to be as, as an adult. Super excited. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna. Um, great. I would. I would love to continue discussing um, the book, but now I want to get into the musical side of of you. You know, for someone who um, their bio starts out that they they you know they don't play a musical instrument um, and says that they do not sing very well. You know, yet they have all of these downloads and streams on. Um, different platforms, you know what I'm saying? You have music that has been played in clubs in Atlanta, um, and even if your name is attached to um, the other individual on the track's name, that I'm sure it's been played in other places as well. Um, so how did that all come about for someone who really doesn't, doesn't sing very well? How did you say, you know, I'm going to put out my first track, I'm going to write this song and hope it does well, and, you know, where, where did that come from? Okay, well, um like I said, I work in real estate, and um, one of the parts, that, one of the harder parts of, of real estate, or the thing they don't tell you, is pros- it's called prospecting. You got to do it every day. <laughs> and then I've been in real estate for a while, so um, you know, after like 15 years of real estate, you get tired of doing it, you know, because if you ask people, hey, you want to sell a house, your your house, or you want to buy a home. They'll say most people say no, or yeah, maybe, or someday, or you know that kind of thing. So, um, but you got to keep doing it. You got to keep looking for that rejection because, you know, you ask a hundred people, one person might say yes. So you got to keep doing it. And um, I'd kind of gotten out of that groove, and 
then um, my wife made the comment. She said, like, what do I have to do? Put a gun to your head to make you prospect for half an hour like that. And then I thought, that's it. That is it. You know, it was like an aha moment. I get it, you know? And then she said, what? And then I said, thank you. And then I left and I drove to Walmart and I bought a timer. And I mean, now I have, you know, you have your iPhone, you you can time something on, but I got Mm -hmm, to thinking like, if, um, you know, if somebody actually did put a gun to my head, I would want a prospect for 28 minutes. I mean, I, I would, I would want to know the time. I wouldn't want a prospect for 28 minutes and 35 seconds or something, or I'd die. So I'd, I would need to know the exact time. And so I would pretend like somebody's got a gun to my head, you know, and I've got this timer. I, I needed the timer to go off. And uh, of course, again, your iPhone does that. But um, so that's what I did. I, I would pretend like um, I got to do this and this time, or, you know, like if you're, when you're talking about time management, like you were at the beginning, uh, Nakia, if, if you get a timer and you say, that, that there's a gun that's going to go off if I don't do this in this amount of time. You know, if I don't do all my emails in 18 minutes or, you know, you just have a false deadline and you just pretend like that. So that's what I did. Okay. So after a while, then I got to thinking, what if, you know, what, maybe I could just say, I'm going to write something every day for 18 minutes and I'll go into a, like a little room and I'll bring my, uh, yellow lined legal pad and I'm just going to jot down whatever comes to my head or just words and just try to be creative because after you get on a roll in real estate where, you know, you're having fun, you're making money and stuff, but still something's missing or you feel like, like you said earlier in your intro that you want to do something creative, but you don't have the time, but you got to make the time. And so I, I did that, you know, deadline thing in my head. There's a guy that is going to shoot me if I don't do this and, and give it all my best in 18 minutes. So I started writing down, you know, just the thoughts that came to my head. And um, then one day I was at a client's house and uh, she said, hey, wh- why aren't you taking notes? And I said, oh, my God, I forgot my, my yellow pad. I left it at a Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> so I raced back to Starbucks and I said, hey, um, you know, the barista there, hey, have you found, did anybody, you know, turn in, a, you know, legal pad? And she said, oh, yeah, it's right here. And she said, I didn't know you were a songwriter. And I said, um, songwriter, <laughs> excuse me. She said, oh, yeah, uh, because what I was doing, like, if I couldn't think of, you know, something new to write, I would just repeat. And she interpreted that as like a chorus, I think. So, um so she said, I have a friend who plays guitar who could probably sing this song here. And I said, really? And she goes, yeah. So that's kind of how it started. I didn't, that's, that's, I mean, that is how it started. And then after that, I mean, it just, I would, I kind of got into this of uh, sending off uh, songs to people who could um, play piano to it. I would sing into, you know, badly into a, a digital recorder and send it so they would have an idea of how to play the piano to the words that I was, you know, thank hearing. And, um, that's, that's how it all, and if you want to hear one of, go ahead and play either one of the songs. I mean, 
that's exactly how these songs were written. All right, well, we're going to jump into quarantine. You want to talk about that just a little before we play it? Yeah, I mean, I wrote it uh, after I wrote this the Hang Shakespeare book. I was in quarantine, and so I was I was thinking about how people, especially with Trump, everybody bickers, and um, I, I don't particularly care for Mr. Trump. Um, I just think that, you know, maybe with this, you know, Biden and Kamala, we can get together as like a group more and everybody help each other out, kind of like how it was with Barack Obama. And so that's kind of um, how it's... I was thinking that. All right. Well, here it is. Quarantine. Guys, I hope you enjoy it. Well, I just turned 17 and I tried to for the football team. I hated a hell weekend to a day's first scrimmage. We got blown away. The ride home guys goofing off and we stopped and had to get out. The coach, he yelled at all of us And made us push that yellow bus When birds of a feather, they fly together Together they can fly so high Snow sticks together, it don't even matter That a single snowflake is light When birds of a feather, they flock together Takes hard work and sacrifice You'll always remember this time forever One day you'll look back and smile, yeah Busted weight at least a ton After practice it had to get done It took all of us and all you got Togetherness is what it taught We won big, a game after game And I made it to the championship a Ball sailed wide, two seconds left Man, we took a knee and we cried When birds of a feather, they flock together Takes hard work and sacrifice You'll always remember this time forever One day you look back and smile Some folks play for just a ring Because winning means everything In life you can't win every game you play Trophies gather dust but your memories remain Some folks play for just a ring But the journey means everything Life you can win every game you play You'll feel more grateful With a little pain So I'm, I'm at home self-quarantine God, I hate this COVID-19 I hate that money's getting lean My stomach growls, I'm hungry The drive through is a windy place Where I see an American flag I'm Waving, God bless the USA In my heart I hear my old coach say when birds of a feather, they flock together Together we can fly so high When snow sticks together, it don't even matter That a single snowflake is light When birds of a feather, they flock together Takes hard work and sacrifice You'll always remember this time forever One day you look back and smile You will smile We will smile You will smile we will smile, you will smile, we will smile, you will smile, we will smile, you will smile. Hey now, what's good? It's your girl, Jana Blackwell, Sea town Records, Mistress of Souls, 
And you're on the air with the hottest independent station, Indy Fire, with your host, Nakia, giving you that heat right here on the station, bringing you all of the hottest hip-hop hits, Indy Fire. Oh, if you're just tuning in, you're live right here on Indy Fire with your girl, Nakia, and my very, very special guest, author and songwriter, Robert Boog. Am I saying your last name right? We almost done with the yep. show, and I just realized. All right, cool. Yep. Look, guys, you just heard Quarantine. Now, I know that you said you wrote the song. Is that you singing? No, no. I had, my wife is completely correct. I, I can't okay. carry a tune in a wheelbarrow. All right, yeah. I was about to say, you need to take that first half of the first sentence and take it out because you sound phenomenal. Whoever that is sounds a little like Michael McDonald. Um. And I loved the Michael McDonald's. I loved the song, though. <laughs> you, you wrote the song. Yeah. A guy named Justin Moore uh, sings it. And then Kid Dreams sings the, the chorus. Okay. All right. So yeah, I know Kid, Kid Dreams. Dreams. I know his name uh, from another song. Um, I want to get into that as well. You want to talk about Kobe and how you came about um, writing that? Well, I live here in Los Angeles, and, um, you know, like everybody else, I was, like, affected by his tragic passing. So um, I wrote the song, and then I kind of, like, I put it away, actually. I, could, I couldn't – I don't know. It was kind of weird. Um, but, I, you know, I don't know. Half of it is I, – I didn't think it was that good, and then um, the other half, said that uh i don't know i just i wasn't ready i guess emotionally maybe or, I, i'm not sure but then um i think i woke up one morning and and i was thinking to myself why don't i just uh send it out there and to you know to kid and see if he can sing it without he sang it acapella without any beat behind it you know and when i heard that i got teary-eyed so I figured, okay, well, I think this will work. I mean, I think, you know, the emotion is there or like my feelings mm-hmm. are there. So um, that's, that's what, uh, that's what we did. And I think this will probably be the first song that I've heard um, at the time, you know, so many creatives were, were using, um, and I want to say using his death, but they used his death to express their creative side, whether it be making sneakers, whether it be, you know, um, T-shirts, wristbands, music. Uh, And and I had a lot of, you know, artists say, hey, I have this Kobe song, I want you to play it, and I thought to myself, no, Um, for, for my own personal reasons at the time, you know, I didn't want to hear any, and I knew that everything was going to be positive. I knew that, but I just didn't want to hear, you know, anything at the time. And so yeah. I think we received Kobe before we received Quarantine. And it it took me a while. I haven't listened to the song. I try not to listen to music until I guest hear it. So we're all like shocked and surprised and love it all at one time. But for some reason, I thought Japanese, you know, the word Kobe, Japanese, that's what I thought. Um, oh, okay, this is going to be different, you know. 
Uh, and then uh, my assistant says, you know what, I don't, I don't think, and I don't think that's what he's talking about. You know, I have a daughter who's in college and she's studying Japanese, and, and so everything this summer was Japanese, and that's, that's the first thing that came to my head. And so my assistant said, you know, no, Nikia, I don't think he's talking about, you know, the Japanese word. And I was like, well, what other word? Oh, man, yeah, I feel stupid now. You know, because it clicked later, and then all of those emotions just came for letting back and then to hear you just say what you said. So, guys, we're going to give you Kobe, all right? Let's see how you feel afterwards, all right? <laughs> Hope you enjoy.
Wow. Now I'm all emotional. The hook was fire. Oh, my gosh. He sounds like an artist that I know. Uh, Mellow makes music. He's out of, wow, wow, I don't know where he is now. But, um, yeah, he sounds just like him. So shout out to you, Mellow makes music. And shout out to, to Kid Dreams uh, from Illinois. He was, um, that's just him alone? He was rapping and singing? Yeah. Ooh, we need to have him on the show. Yeah, I like yeah, he that. Is great. I like that. You you poured a lot um of emotions into writing that and and I think that he was able to express them. He I picked think it up. that he was able it's to like, express them the way that they need to be yeah. um expressed. Very heartfelt. Very heartfelt. Yeah, it's like he took like words on a paper and brought feeling to them. You know, it's it's hard to explain, but he did such a great job. Yeah, I love it. I love it. When it first started playing, I thought, wait a minute, I have heard this before. Um, but, no, I, I hadn't. Um, it was just an odd feeling. I thought, you know, yeah, I know this, but no. Nah. Um, so what's, what's next for you? Oh, I'm thinking more about books, writing some more short music? stories. Yeah, well, okay. my wife, okay, yeah, my usually I will, I will write a song after I finish, like, doing something big it kind of like uh i don't know it uh it relaxes me kind of and um my wife plays rigatone every morning so she's on me to mm-hmm. write, she wants me to write a rigatone song <laughs> and i have an idea for that so i, I don't know I, I might do it um i just um you know rhyming in spanish is kind of weird but I, i'd like to mm-hmm. try it i think that that sounds like um you know it's a challenge kind of thing so um, I don't know. I, I I'll probably do something like that. And then I was just um, somebody else told me that I should. Okay, so you know I was drinking and telling stories, and these people were laughing so hard they're like they they were crying, you know. And the <laughs> this lady was telling me, you really have to write these down in like uh, short stories just about your your childhood because you're killing me. And so I thought, well, maybe she's right. You know, maybe I should, uh, but you know, I don't know. I'll, I'll just, uh, I told you, I, I'd like to just you need to add comedian. Around. If they thought things were funny that you were saying, you need to add comedian, um, you know, to, to one of your, um, titles, you know, um, <laughs> because you are, you're funny. You're very funny. Um, your, your bio is full of, you know, humor and from what I read in the book, you know, like I said, it's so relatable. It sounds like you're you're talking directly to me. We're holding a conversation. You know, it's um, when I wasn't in thought, you know, trying to think like, oh, my goodness, wow, I never thought of that before. I was laughing. So, yeah, you need to definitely add comedians. Okay. And I would, if you write the song, or whatever you have next that you put out, we definitely want to get it on the show so that we can get it in rotation. On Mondays, we have New Music Mondays, um, all new music we play, and then we'll spotlight the music for a month. So we would definitely love to have, you know, whatever you do next on the show. Um, But we're down to to the wire here. I want to go ahead and give you the opportunity to get all of your social media and contact information out Uh, for those who may be interested in working with you, for those who would like to purchase um, Hang Shakespeare, um, for those who want to purchase your music, 
Um, for those who just want to get in contact with you, I don't know, to pick your brain and, you know, get some advice from you about being an author or being a songwriter, the floor is now yours to get all of that information out. Well, um, you can reach me on um, my website is just robertboog.com. So Robert and my last name is Boog, B like boy, O-O-G like George, dot com. That's probably the best. Um, some of my um, songs, I have a, a website called uh, I Songs. It's the letter, you know, I and a hyphen. S-O-N-G-Z, and um, I think there you'll find, I think the video of the very first song, the one with that barista that I was telling you about, that one is on, uh, because I made a video of that, and um, I think it's called uh, Gift of Love, so people sometimes ask me about that, um, so you can you can go on there, and like you said, you can go to Spotify, and um I'm kind of bad about social media. It's just that um, I don't know. I I um, I pop in and out of it. I'm not like a junkie or a stalker. You know, I'm just like a shadow. <laughs> I'm kind of like <laughs> I, I'm like the you know the I don't know. Just it it's it's fun, but then I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe I should be doing like you know something creative like writing kind of thing right. so it's it's so time I, consuming um it, and it seems yeah. like for me now um like for someone who's up there all day because as i mentioned i have multiple businesses i have the show so i'm always doing promotions but that's still time consuming now when you work all day and you get off and you're tired you don't want to even do that you know so i spend the weekend mm-hmm. trying to schedule all of my um, promotions and um, posts that need to go out for the week. I do those on the weekend since I'm off. Um, and that seems to have balanced things out for me. I still don't spend a lot of time on social media anymore because, again, I'm just too tired. Just can't do it. Can't do it. But it does. It takes a lot of time and a lot of energy when you can be doing um, other things, other constructive, you know, and creative things. So I get it. I agree with you there. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Thank you. You are so and, very uh, welcome. I wanted to give you the time to completely finish because I know I jumped in last uh, of what you were discussing. No, no, no. Guys, make sure that you are right back here on Monday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for Monday Motivation with Kato Moore, our, our in-house motivational speaker and MS activist. Um, he's dropping some gems this month. Um, we're on the session Doors, um, or the series Doors. And he's just, you know, um, I'm so glad that we were able to just find him and give him this this platform to be able to um, use the I in Envy, which is inspiration. And he truly does inspire everyone um, with the messages that he brings every Monday morning right here, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with Caso Moore, where my struggle is my strength. And then, no promises on No Music Mondays, because I said we'd be back in September, but we will be back on Tuesday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, I don't know the artist's name. I just we, The manager's been working with us, so um, just, just, just come back. I right? Just come back. That's all you got to do. Thank you again to my very special guest this evening, Mr. Robert Boog. Make sure that you go and check out uh, Hang Shakespeare. It's on Amazon and Google Books, right? 
Yes. Any place yes, else? Yes, yes, yes. Um, it's coming out to everywhere else this weekend. I mean, um, Barnes & Noble and uh, the rest of them are just a little bit slower, so it should be on um, not all the rest of the channels um, this weekend. But, uh, oh, yeah, wow. hopefully. Uh, wow. Talk about, yes, guys, so make sure that you're um, the other avenues that you'll be able to purchase and read the book. And then he also mentioned that the Audible is coming soon. Yeah? Yes. Yeah, it's it's being um, mastered right now. So it should be out of the oven, like, uh, just in a few days. So you have no reason. You can't be like me, you know. I don't have time to read because I can finish, you know, if someone's speaking to me and they're talking to me, you know, I can finish a book in no time that way, all right? <laughs> so uh, one way or the other, guys, make sure that you do uh, purchase that book and support this phenomenal um, author and songwriter. Thank you again so much for being here with me this evening. You stay safe in L.A. And like I told oh, yeah. all of my guests, once you're on the show, you are a part of the family. You are welcome back at any time, all right? Okay, sounds great. All right, guys, you enjoy the rest of your evening. We will see you Monday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Have a great weekend.